0: long time So, uh, hey, listen, um, if you're tuning in online, thank you for being here. If you're on the atrium, if you're here in the room, my name is Ryan, and the lead pastor here at Crossroads. We're in a series called Again and Again, where we are just uh, kind of journeying and walking through this Lent season, and so hopefully you have been able to follow along with that devotion guide every day if you'd like to, Uh, and uh, we've been doing the Daily Drops of Hope, just kind of focusing on that, and there's readings throughout the week, so you can jump in and be a part of this journey. Our anchor verse for this series is uh, found in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Uh, Lamentations is a book uh, in the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Bible, uh, which was really written in a deep time of despair. Uh, That's what a lament is, and it was written uh, in a time of exile. But it says this, in that very deep very difficult season for the life of Israel, Uh, the poet writes, the Lord's acts of mercy are not exhausted. His compassion is not spent. They are renewed each morning. Great is your faithfulness. What a great encouragement for us that even in the most difficult of seasons, uh, that uh, the mercy of God, what we would just, we could just say mercy (laughs) is always present. It's never exhausted, and that's really powerful. And so today, uh, we're kind of unpacking and talking about this, uh, this line, that again and again, we are reformed. We are reformed. If you're a fill-in-the-blank kind of person, you can uh, grab those out of uh, as you came in this morning, or if you're uh, online, you can download the talk notes if you want to follow along. I always say they just give you hope that it will end. Like, one more fill-in, right? Um, but this idea of being reformed uh, means to having be, to be changed in such a way as to be improved right when something is reformed uh, it goes through a process of transformation and is better at the end of it it's better and there's a pattern of reformation there's a pattern that we go through uh, that happens whether it's the reformation of a business or a person your personal life uh, a part of your life and that is this uh, you go through this pattern of Construct. you have a construct, you have something, say, your marriage, right? And it's this is how a marriage is supposed to be, and you have it kind of figured out. But then all of a sudden, you have a deconstructing experience, right? There's a season where uh, all of a sudden you go, oh, wait a second, what I thought was so true, so important, what it had to be. We kind of go through this season of deconstruction, and we come out of that into a period of reconstruction, which is something better, which is something new, uh, in a sense. I had a, a moment in my life where kind of I went through really an eye-opening uh, experience of my own kind of reformation. And it happened in Eagle, Colorado in 2018. I think it was 2018. Yeah. 2018. I had uh, gone out to Eagle, Colorado for uh, this little retreat with a group of people I'd been invited to go out to. And I wasn't sure that I should... I really belonged there. There were all these like, people that had done really great stuff and... you know. I was just me. And uh, so I, was, I wasn't sure about going anywhere, but I got invited by this guy, and uh, he invited me to come out to this retreat and go, and like his, kind of one of his spiritual mentors kind of led this retreat for three days with a group of uh, guys, and so I said, okay, I'll, I'll go. And I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a kind of person who loves being around people I don't know. Uh, I, I generally don't like to be around people in general, uh, let alone people I don't know. I'm just kind of, that's just not my... I don't know why that is, but that's just kind of me. So I was like nervous about going anyway. I didn't really want to go. Uh, I almost didn't get on the plane because I got a phone call the night before. And the one person that I knew who was hosting this retreat, they do it every year, that invited me. uh, He's like, oh, by the way, I'm not going to be there. It's like, I don't even feel like I should be here. Like, these are all, like, really important people that have done, like, really amazing things. Like, I don't even belong at this retreat. And so he's, like, not going to be there. So I almost don't get on the plane. But I get on the plane. I go and have a really powerful experience during these kind of three days it was really during those three days that I felt like this whisper from God uh, and the answer to this question of who are you, right? So we were kind of talking about true self, false self, uh, the, the person who was kind of leading this conversation. And there was only about 15 of us there. We were out at a ranch there in Eagle. And, um, and this big question was, well, like, who are you? Talking about false self and true self kind of stuff. And I was at a point where I didn't quite, I think, fully understand the question because I always went into like, well, what do you do? <laughs> like, that was kind of me. And, um, and I really just started to ask this, question of like what is like What is going to be the next season of my work? What is that going to be marked by? And I got this whisper of reforming. That's what I really felt like at the end of the day, like my heart, my life was uh, really about being a reformer. And it kind of came out of this kind of thinking that I was surrounded by deconstructionism. Like there was just a lot of things happening in the religious tradition that I had grown up in that I was a part of. And there's a lot of just deconstruction happening. Uh, And I just felt like we were stuck. I felt like as as a broad church in this, Kind of uh, pan evangelical like way of thinking that we had just become kind of stuck, and there was just like this deconstructing like phase that we were in, but we weren 't actually reforming we weren 't actually looking at the whole, saying okay yeah let 's do some deconstruction, but we need reconstruction as well and so it was in that moment in two thousand and eighteen that I really felt like the spirit whispered that this was going to be the next season of your Ministry life of your work life of of really focusing in on what does it mean to be a reformer in this context of a religious tradition that you loved and that you know actually was kind of the beginning of the journey which ended up with our family being here so sorry and, uh, and so we so we kind of go through this process but but what I realized in that retreat was that we oftentimes do get stuck. We get stuck in deconstruction phases, or what we could call disorder phases. Richard Rohr wrote a book on the wisdom pattern, which I think is the same thing as reformation in a sense, where you go from order, your life seems fine, you have a disordering event, and you come out of it reordered, right transformed. It's the process of trans- some would call transformation, enlightenment, like different words for it, but there seems to be this process you go through, but oftentimes we get stuck in that middle phase of disorder, or we get stuck in deconstruction and all all we can see is what isn't working. And maybe you've had that experience in a relationship in your life. Maybe you've had that experience as a parent or at a workplace where all you can see is what isn't working, but you're not actually seeing a movement forward. And when that happens in faith, when we get stuck in that middle phase of like deconstruction in our faith, to me, it feels like a dumpster fire, Right? It just feels like all we're doing is just throwing everything away. Well, this doesn't work, and this doesn't work, and this doesn't work, and that really is the fuel, right, for the dumpster fire. It's this false dualism of all or nothing, right? So when we go through a phase of deconstruction in our faith, or in say in a portion of our faith, right, uh, maybe there's something that you were raised believing, and you go through an experience in life that disorients that. Well, all of a sudden, there's this belief that, well, now I have to throw it all away. I have to throw the whole thing away. If I find something in the Bible that, you know, I see as contradictory, I just have to throw it all away. And then we, so we get stuck in this process because we live in this dualistic way of thinking that it's all or nothing. That, like, for the Bible to be valuable, it has to be 100% accurate in all things science, right? And you're going, like, we're bringing this, like unrealistic expectation to a text that was written, some parts that go back 4,000 years ago, right? But all of a sudden we go, oh, well, maybe it wasn't seven literal days of creation. And we go, well, we got to throw the whole thing out, right? And that just fuels this dumpster fire of faith and leaves a lot of people disenfranchised because we never actually come out of it. And so I wonder if, like, wisdom and scripture could offer us a better way of thinking about this, like, deconstructing fire, right? And this whole big, the whole process of reformation. And there's a couple of verses that I just want to look at today. In Luke chapter 12, verse 49, it's really interesting. Jesus makes this statement about fire. And he says, I've come to set upon the earth fire fire. And how I wish it were already blazing. Now, if you're in a framework of like dumpster fire, right? You're thinking to yourself, yeah, burn it down, right? Like, and and we see that as a very kind of deconstructive way of thinking. But I honestly think there's a better way to think about that. And Jesus is certainly in this passage talking about things that need to change, right? And, And that there is this kind of tension that exists. But fire is a tool, Fire is a tool for growth and change. So I spent about 12 years of my adult life in uh, Maine. And in Maine, they grow blueberries. You ever have like Maine blueberries or blueberry jam? Anybody in the room, And you're online? You just like, if you're online, you just totally tuned out and went to the grocery store to buy like Maine blueberry jam. So we have blueberry fields and they have low bush blueberries and high bush blueberries. And it's interesting that they burn the blueberry fields. I never knew that. So one time I was driving out to Kennebunkport where we lived. We were about 19 miles from the coast, and I think we're headed out there. And they're, they're burning the fields. I was like, the fields are on fire. The fields are fire. And that's what I think of. Like, when I see fire, I think of destruction, right? I think of punishment. Like, I was raised in a good kind of Pentecostal evangelical home. Like, when you hear the word fire, you think, hell, like, get rid of the evil, right? And what I came to learn over time is that the blueberry fields would be burned every other year there was a necessary part of the health of that field to produce blueberries. And I actually think that reforming faith, this whole process, and particularly that, that deconstruction or that disorder moment, is like burning the blueberry fields, right? And so they go out, and when they burn the blueberry fields, they set a perimeter, right? They say, this, we don't wanna burn past here. And so I think what happens in our life, we set up that kind of perimeter in our faith. And we say, these are the things that I hold to as a matter of faith and conviction, right? And so there's certain things that I hold to that I just, I don't burn past that edge. And and as I've gotten older, and I realized exactly how much older I've gotten yesterday as I was out with these guys that were 15 years younger than me on this mountain. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh. But as I've gotten older, I realized that circle... Right, it's it's there's just pretty. It just gets wider and wider. When I'm when you're younger, like you have so many of those boundary markers, and then as you get older and older, and you kind of walk into what you don't know, you go, oh wow, like it's just that that circle that I set is a is a lot wider than I ever imagined. But you kind of set that circle, and that's a pretty controlled burn, right? They set that field, and then what happens is they they just kind of set that field on fire because in burning the field, it will encourage new growth. Right? The blueberry field will not, it'll produce blueberries, but it will always diminish how many blueberries it produces as long if they're not burning the field. Because in burning of that field, it takes the soil and it liberates the nutrients. Right? There's that process. They deconstruct the field, they burn the field, and it starts to liberate nutrients. It destroys insects and disease organisms and weed seeds that are in it. And so they'll rotate their fields. Every other year, they'll burn apart. So if they had 10 acres and they want five acres of blueberries, that's how much you have to have 10 acres because you burn five every other year. And it increases the crop. And this, to me, feels like the pattern of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, is that there's always something that's being burned. There's always something that we set that edge to that has to go through this deconstruction phase so that we can walk out of it into something better, something more full, Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, amen, amen. I say to you, I always love it when Jesus amens himself. <laughs> right? He doesn't even say it. He's just like, amen. I'm going to tell you this. He says, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. I think this is the same metaphor, it's the same analogy of a healthy fire that is burning a field, right? That there is this process, of there has to be life, death, resurrection, right? There has to be this dying for something new and better. And so death really isn't just an end, but it's a beginning, and that's kind of how it works in the universe, right, and all that we know, what we can see visibly, that death really is not just an end, but it actually is the beginning of something. And this is seen no more than in that concept of when a star goes supernova. Do I have any scientists in the house before I embarrass myself? Just want to make sure. So I'm not a scientist, right? But uh, I learned just enough to make a, hopefully a little bit of sense out of this because it really is an interesting analogy. That um, in 1987, astro- uh, astronomers saw in the night sky a, a new appearance of light, and what they realized was this was a star that about 160,000 years ago, I think it was, went supernova, right? And so when and it became known as Supernova 1987A. 1987A, for the year that they saw it. Now you can't see this anymore because it's the light has passed by, so it's gone. But what it showed us was that there was this star that about 160,000 years ago had cooled down so much that it had it had kind of imploded in on itself. And when the star cools down, it starts to collapse. And and so something about a hundred million times the size of the Earth collapses in about 15 seconds, (laughs) right? 15 seconds, 100 million times the mass of the earth collapses in 15 seconds. And, And because it collapses so fast, it creates kind of a shock wave. And that shock wave sends out from the furthest edges of the star particles into the rest of the universe. And these particles are elements. And almost every element, scientists tell us now that almost every element of the earth that makes up living things, it flows out of a star that goes supernova, when a star actually dies, when it cools down so much. And so that star not only will emit kind of like the elements that are absolutely necessary for a star, but it will also, in in that process, what I've read is it will create new elements, right? The creation itself is creating things. And so new stars and new planets get formed through this process of a star dying. Like, it's baked into the way the universe was created, that it is, it is a creative entity, right? And, and I've heard it said this way before, that God created things that create themselves, right, that, that are creative and generative in nature. And so we shouldn't miss this. I think when we see Jesus talking about a seed, seed dying in the field, when we start talking about this idea of fire throughout the earth, we got to kind of reframe our brains that this isn't destruction, but this is creation, right? That this is the process of reformation, that whole process of order, disorder, reorder, of life, death, resurrection. And so reformation, we can see it's the divinely ordered cosmic process of death and resurrection. Like it just, it is in all of creation, and and if and if one of my circles that I hold to, right? I hold this circle that behind the universe, behind this creation, is what we call God, right? That there is this God, and that we've been invited into understanding this God personally through the person of Jesus. And, and that circle, that God creates things that creates things. And and in this, it's this process that what's fascinating is like the Earth itself from a scientific perspective, could not exist had there not been a star that died and went supernova, basically, to cast the elements necessary. Now, I understand that that's a little different than Genesis 1, but I've never really thought of the Bible as a science book. But I think there's deep truth in Genesis 1 that really isn't meant to be about creation, just so you don't think I abandoning Genesis 1. I think it's, Genesis 1 through 3 is very important in understanding a lot more than creation and you know, science. But this is this cosmic process that is just baked into the universe, that we would not have new stars, we wouldn't have new planets, we, would not have, we wouldn't have what we have if there wasn't a death that we experience. So what does this have to do with your like, normal, everyday life back here on planet Earth? Nothing. Nothing at all. I'm just trying to fill some time here. No, what does it have to do with... Okay, so listen. If if baked into the cosmic universe is this process of life, death, resurrection, order, disorder, reorder, construct, deconstruct, reconstruct, here's what I would say to us. Trust the process. Trust the process. Don't get stuck. So a couple of places we get stuck... I think we get stuck at the order phase. We like order, the construct, right? And so we go, this is, this is it. This is my life. And so we do everything we can, oftentimes, to just stay the same. But that's not the way the universe works. It's not the way God has created us. It's not the way that we grow. There's there has to be a deconstruction. There has to be a disordering if we're going to grow. I mean, we see that. I mean, I I mean I know you probably wouldn't believe this or not. Underneath this shirt, there is like a muscle somewhere. I can tell you there's not many given my experience yesterday, right? But what I do know about muscles are the only way that you grow muscle is you take a a order constructed of muscle and you tear it, right? And you basically harm that muscle so that it heals and it grows, right? It's just baked into everything. And it flows out from the physical world into our spiritual world, into our soul care. So our marriages, what happens when we we get stuck in a marriage or in a relationship because we just want it here. But it always has to go through a disordering phase so that it can come into something better, so that it can be reformed. And we get stuck and it becomes stale, whatever it might be. But then all of a sudden, we can also get stuck in kind of like the disorder phase. And we, get, we don't trust the process that I'm supposed to walk through the pain. I'm supposed to walk through this disordering so that on the other side comes out something stronger. Right, if that star never goes supernova. If that star never implodes on itself, we don't have the release of the elements that are necessary to create new planets, to create new stars, to move forward. And so I would say we have to learn to trust the process. And then I would say we also have to learn, don't rush or be afraid of or dismiss the disorder phase. Right? If God is reforming us again and again, if God is creating again and again, if God is resurrecting again and again, then we, ha- we have to be careful that we don't rush through that, that middle part where we just are being deconstructed. And that's, that's hard to do because some of those things that we held to be so true, all of a sudden we realize maybe that's not one of the burning edges, right? I mean, I can think of ways in which I grew up, the religious tradition that I grew up in, that I held onto is like, this is so fundamental. This has to be, like, I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a religious tradition that said, here's the 16 fundamental truths. Like, we had more fundamental truths than there were commandments in the, <laughs> the God game. Right? For the first time in my life, I just thought about that, and that's funny to me. <laughs> that the God of the universe behind Supernova <laughs> said, here's 10 things to kind of live by, and we were like, no, 16's better, Right? <laughs> And then you hold those things, but then you go, and and I can remember like having these these moments where you go, man, that's not a circle that I'm just willing to, I'm willing to burn past that circle. And and, and I'm willing to just see, but but I'm also at this space in my life where there are circles that I'm not going to burn past. But I've got a feeling that as I, and as we, as people, we try to grow, this is the growth process, that those edges are always expanding. And so we can't be afraid of that. And, and I would just encourage you, if you're in a space in your life, maybe it's as a parent, maybe it's as a spouse, maybe it's in your work, and, you, and you're feeling disoriented, don't be afraid of that. Like, lean into it and trust that God is at work here, that, that I can't get to a place of new, I can't get to a place of reformation without walking through that. But walk through it. <laughs> Don't stay there. It's not an all-or-nothing deal. You, we recognize it as part of the divine process that there's a field that's being burned spiritually so that there can be more blueberries being produced. And in the, when you're in that phase, I just would encourage you, just remember the power of how questions. How questions. Why questions will keep you stuck in the dumpster fire. I just really believe that. Why is this happening? Why are you doing this? Why? I, just, I think those questions have a tendency to, to put us in a loop, like just a loop of self-destruction. But I think there are questions that start with the word how. Like, how do I become better from this? Like, how does God grow something new in me? How are more blueberries produced because of this burning that's taking place? Right? How do I walk out of this stronger in my faith? How do I walk out of this freer in my faith? What is God liberating me from? Right? What, fear, what, what, what fear has been holding me in my faith journey that this deconstruction is actually burning away that fear and I don't have to be afraid anymore? And what's so powerful about the how questions is like, we can ask this beautiful question like, how does this make me and, and our world better? <laughs> right i actually take, like to end all of my kind of talks on sunday with this big question like why so what why does it matter well i think that the idea is that we are growing and becoming better and we're making the world a better place and i think from the i think the bible language for that is glorifying god but i think the normal everyday language for that is making the world better seeing myself grow and become better and so this reformation process of order Disorder, reorder, of construct, deconstruct, reconstruct. Like that whole thing is a key to new and improved. <laughs> it's new and improved. I, I always want my faith to be new and improved. I, I want my marriage to always be new and improved. I want my parenting to be new and improved. But I, I can't get to new and improved if I don't walk through a process of deconstruction and into reconstruction. So uh, there's a... Uh, A pastor, reverend, who is an Anglican bishop named Mark Dreyer, and he said this. He said, about every 500 years, the church has a rummage sale. The church has a rummage sale. And it basically follows culture, but it says that this is a time of great upheaval, where there's a questioning of things that we held sacred or dear or what we said. And so about every 500 years, there's kind of a reformation, so to speak, that takes place. And and you kind of track it, and so around the year 500, um, in this time period, say, f- you know, 50 years prior, 50 years plus, you know, uh, there's this big rummage sale that's taking place. So you have the fall of Rome that happens around 500, which changes everything because R- Rome had become the kind of Tip of the spear for Christianity and its spread and its growth when it became the state religion under Constantine and so Rome is falling uh, around the year 500 there's, there's three church councils that are taking place where they're kind of coming together and saying, "Well, what does it mean for, for the nature? What is the nature of Jesus? Did Jesus have two natures, divine and human or just one nature? And so these councils that it, at, at Ephesus are taking place in the Chalcedon council and they're really shaping Christianity. And and right now you've got to imagine Christianity is about five years old, right? So what are the kinds of questions that your five-year-old deals with, right? That's what the church was dealing with. I mean, it's just true, right? I mean, I, I love the analogy that about every 100 years, the church, the big universal church grows by one year, right, in terms of development. So you fast forward another 500 years, you have the great schism. So what happens is your children enter into like early teenage, early adolescent life, right? right they're like i don't need you <laughs> like oh yeah we'll see well that's kind of what happens the great schism takes place and you have the splitting of the eastern orthodox church and the western roman catholic church takes place and so now you have a patriarch leading the eastern orthodox church and you have the pope leading the roman catholic church right now you fast forward another 500 years we have the reformation that takes place what's become known as the protestant reformation which is where part of the Roman Catholic Church says, hey, wait a second, it's time to rebel. I've got my driver's license, I don't need you anymore. (laughs) Because that's what happens when you turn 15, 16, 17 years old. And, uh, and so now there's this reformation with Martin Luther that kind of begins it in his 95 Theses, and here's what's the issue, and you have the the Swiss Reformation that's taking place, and, so, and this happen, is happening in the English church. So all, during this whole time period, we have kind of the Roman Catholic Church is, I don't want to use the word fracturing or splitting, because that could be seen as really negative. I think it's a positive thing that's happening, but you have the birth of the Anglican Church, you have... Protestant church, you have the Swiss Reformation taking place. Then you fast forward 500 years, into, in the year 2000, uh, we're seeing what has become known as the Great Emergence, the Emerging Church. This Great Emergence was written uh, about by a woman named Phyllis Tickle, who has since passed away. 2012, her book, The Great Emergence, came out. And it was what was emerging out of Protestantism, right? Now, just as a side note, right, for those of you that might geek out on church history, um, So we're now, you and I are sitting, and our experience has been with about, if you grew up Protestant, uh, your experience has been with about 25% of the big C church, right? So it split in two around the year 1,000, and then 1,500, that split in two, and so now it's happening again. Right, so we, we have such a, a teeny vision for like the big C church because we've lost a lot of the great mystery out of the Eastern Orthodox Church, whatever it might be. We're revolting against a sliver of the church. And we actually took some of the worst parts of the church and like doubled down on things in our Protestant Reformation. But now there's this new thing that's emerging. And there's lots of research being done over the last 20 or 30 years as to what's happening within the Protestant church. And we're seeing like a resurgence, like flowing out of Protestantism, this like, call back to mystery, which, like, the Eastern Orthodox Church has, like, the foothold on mystery, really. But it's this, it's this saying, hey, you know what? Like, we want to embrace mystery over certainty. Like, we get it. Like, our German Reformation brain, we really can't understand everything we think we can, but we can't, right? So the Protestant Reformation was really driven by a lot of academics, and it's wonderful, but there's this new movement. There's a movement within it for gift-based leadership versus, like, ordained leadership. Right, And so what does it look like to say this person has a gift given by God and to release that gift? There's a very missionally-minded way uh emergence that's coming, that this is a group of people who are very activated. They're not thinking, this, this, this movement is not thinking about how to grow itself, but it's thinking, how can we serve the world? How can we actually make the world better? How can we go and alleviate hunger? How can we go and bring peace on earth kind of thinking? There's a movement away, a movement into high touch, right? So away from high tech to high touch. So what does it mean to be very familial with one another? What does it mean to care for and love? And there's this emergence that's taking place. And what the research is showing, which is so wonderful and so fascinating, is that whenever the church goes through one of these rummage sales, right, there's this big fear that it's all fallen apart. And, it, and you might be of a generation where you're like watching things that you really valued in church and you're going, oh my gosh, what is going on? Right now, hopefully, you're not thinking back 300 years ago because you weren't around then, you know. But maybe you are. But there's this, but what happens in like church leadership, especially, we go all these things that we held sacred and have held sacred for hundreds and hundreds of years are being thrown out, and we're going, What's going on? But here's what the research shows that the church of Jesus Christ is always stronger after these periods, it's always stronger, it's always more diverse. And so, the church, what it looked like. A 1,000 years ago or 1,500 years ago is very different than what it looks like now. Here's a picture, I think, of what the church is looking like more and more now. Those two bottom rows are kind of the scattered church, what it looks like. The two top rows are more the gathered church, which church leadership look like. And Father Richard Rohr, a Franciscan uh, priest who I really appreciate and have been shaped by a lot of his writings, he says, with each rebirth, Christianity becomes more inclusive and universal as it always was meant to be. And I think that's where hope is. I think hope is here. Hope is always in that moment of more inclusive, more universal, this understanding of God at work in all things, redeeming all things. And the more that uh, the church of Jesus Christ looks like the world of Jesus Christ, the better off we are. so as we think about this idea of God reforming us again and again, let me just ask you the question, what are you being invited into today? I always believe that the spirit of God is inviting us into something. I don't think that the Spirit of God is always calling us to do something. <laughs> I kind of grew up in that environment. You know, you always had a task, always had something to do if you were, you know, if you were gonna be a part of whatever God was doing. But I do think that the Spirit is always inviting us into something. Sometimes it's to be, exist, to, to feel something. Sometimes it is to do but what are you sensing God inviting you into in this idea of order, disorder, reorder, or construct, deconstruct, reconstruct, this three-part process of reformation? I hope that you're experiencing the Spirit inviting you into embrace the disorienting events of your life as part of reformation. And I think that's redemption. I think that That's the beauty of God who takes these things that would be seen as just totally disorienting and destructive, but God in the goodness and the grace says, no, if you'll lay it at my feet, metaphorically speaking, God doesn't have feet, but if you lay it at my feet, I'll use it. I'll use it for your good, for my glory, for love in this world. And so so we sometimes, we run and we hide and we end and we... We, go, we get overwhelmed, but, but maybe we just need to be okay with those disorienting events and see them as part of a process. Maybe even an understanding of sanctification, right? Being perfected by those struggles. Maybe God's inviting you to make two lists. So for those of you that are tactile, kind of spiritual folks, make two lists. Make a list of things that promote the status quo and things that Break the status quo And you could pick an area of your life So you could pick my marriage What are the things that break the status quo In my marriage What are the things that uh, Break the status quo You could think of it in your spiritual life What are the things that keep my spiritual life Just plugging right on this status quo Kind of thing And what are the things that really move me out of it Think about it from a career perspective And then ask the question Well where is the spirit moving in all of that And sometimes it's just an exercise that helps us to learn to embrace those disorienting, deconstructing moments. But don't stay there. For God's sake, don't stay there. Just see it as part of the process and trust it, trust that process. And maybe uh, you're interested in this idea of the rummage sale and, the, and how Christianity grows and has these kind of like exponential moments in time. And you might want to check out the book, The Great Emergence by Phyllis Tickle and read that. Um, I would encourage you to do that as well. And don't freak out like this. That's the, the pattern. The pattern is freak out, right? Whenever something starts to deconstruct in what we hold so dear, like we freak out. But then all of a sudden we realize, man, That was just a false circle in the blueberry field. I can burn more of that field and be healthier and grow. And when we we do that, now we're in a process of being reformed again and again and again. And we look for it in our lives. We don't run from it. We look for it. And we don't have to be afraid of the moments where we start to question things or we wonder what's going on because we can go back to this idea that God is good that love always transforms. And so to be transformed means that some part of my life needs to be transformed. It needs to be changed. Let me pray for you. God of the universe, of supernovas and blueberry fields and dumpsters, would you open our hearts up to the truth of Reformation that it has its unpleasant moments because Reformation means that we take what is orderly and makes sense and then there's something introduced that just disorients us and it can we can be so afraid of that moment. but help us to set good strong circles on the field and then just allow the burn to happen so that we might look more like you, so the toxins in our spirituality could be burned, so that there could be new crops grow, and may we have a disposition towards this process in our lives that just as a blueberry field needs to be burned every other year and just as a star in its cycle is going to uh, go into supernova so that new things can be created May we, in a sense, welcome this pattern in our lives and trust it. Help us to not be afraid, Lord. Even though we know it will be difficult and painful, may we just trust you in the middle of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Check out this little.